Our scripture lesson is from Matthew chapter 6, verses 7 through 21. When you are praying, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Pray then in this way. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also forgive our debtors. And do, do not bring us to the time of trial, but rescue us from the evil one. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your Heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. And whenever you fast, do not look dismal, let the hypocrites. For they just figure their faces so as to show others that they are fasting. Truly, I tell you, they receive their reward. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face, so that your fasting may be seen not by others, but by your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Do not store up yourself treasures on earth, where moth and rust consume, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up yourself treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust consume, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. This is the word of the Lord. And we invite the children and middle schoolers to head to Sunday school and Bible debate for those who would like to do so. Let us pray. Oh, how grateful we are, holy God, for the chance to gather in this place and to worship you together and to hear anew your word of love and, and grace and truth for each one of us. And so we pray, God, that in these moments ahead, we'll continue to hear your word, to be grabbed hold of by your Holy Spirit and to have an encounter with your presence and your grace. And to that end, we pray this all in Jesus' precious name. Amen. The comedian Jerry Seinfeld has a hilarious bit where he talks about the different attitudes that he and his wife have about the possessions that they own. Maybe you've heard it. He says, as a husband, taking out the garbage is one of my greatest strengths. I hate garbage. I love to remove it. My wife is, of course, the opposite, he says. She's a holder, a saver, a keeper. 
My wife saves everything. She has every styrofoam peanut, every scrap of paper numbered, cataloged, and filed. And I just throw things out. I love to throw things out. It is my personal opinion that all things, all objects, everything you really own only exists as part of a parade of garbage to the dumpster. <laughs> everything you own is pre-garbage. Your home is a garbage processing center where new things are purchased and slowly demoted through various stages of trashification until you're done. It starts out, you're excited, you buy something, you bring it home, you put it on the kitchen table, you read the instructions, you tell other people in the household all about it. And then time goes by and you realize maybe you're not going to be quite so keen on drawing out fruit and storing it in your basement as you thought you were going to be. And so the object is demoted to the closet. It's there for a while, eventually it lands on the floor. You start stepping on it to reach newer things that are just beginning their journey to being thrown out. Then there's the garage. The garage can be one of the longest phases for the object, but no object in human history has ever made it successfully from the garage back into the house. Even the word garage seems to be a form of the word garbage. <laughs> when you're living in the same room as the garbage, well, it won't be much longer now. Really, eBay is the only thing that can save the object at that point. eBay, of course, another great step forward in human culture. Hey, why don't we mail our garbage back and forth to each other? It's all got to go, he says. Everything is thrown out in the end. Many years ago when I was serving as the associate pastor for youth ministry here in our church, a role I dearly loved, one night at Senior High Fellowship, we had a program entitled Bigger and Better. We split up into about five small groups. I gave each group an object I had grabbed from my home, something like a, a stapler or a roll of tape or a pencil. And I said, folks, here's your assignment. You have one hour to go into the neighborhood and trade up your item for one that is bigger and better. And whoever can lug down the youth center steps, the biggest and the best item when the hour's done, well, you win. Their faces lit up. The, the group was intrigued. It was game on. Some of the small groups huddled for a quick strategy session right there in the youth center. Others dashed up the steps and out the door as fast as they could, and they traded their objects more creatively and more aggressively than I ever imagined possible. Most of the groups traded up multiple times, each time taking possession of a new object, new to them at least, that was indeed bigger and better. Church members were among the people that they sought out and among the homes that they drove to. 
And all these years later, I can still remember one of the groups dragging down the youth center steps, an old, worn out, rusted washing machine. <laughs> an older couple in the church thought it would be just a delight for the youth group to get that out of there for them. <laughs> Another group had an old, barely running station wagon with a great uh, the group had an old barely running station wagon from a, a church member with a great sense of humor and one who wanted to help that particular group of young people win. That was, of course, kept parked outside. And when all the small groups returned, we sat down on the floor together and went around the circle, and each group shared about their experience, what it was like, and they shared the object that they had traded up to. There was great energy in the air. They were all on the edge of their seats, eager to find out who would win this first ever bigger and better competition. As I recall it, the group that brought that old rusted out washing machine won, seeing as the group that had the station wagon couldn't get the car into the youth center, and that was part of the requirement. We gave the winning group a rousing round of applause. And I said, and guys, there's just one more thing. And I opened up my Bible, and I read these verses from Matthew's Gospel, which I don't think they were expecting. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust consume, where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moth and rust will not consume, where thieves will not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And we talked about those words and what they meant, and we said a prayer, and we headed home. Now, I love my possessions, my stuff, and I'd be lying if I told you anything different. I love my car. I love my motorcycle. I love my Apple devices. I love these four amazing pairs of thick wool socks that my family got me for Christmas. I love the fleece sweaters that I own that fit me so well and that are just so comfortable to put on. The list goes on. And I bet I'm not alone in loving many of my possessions. I bet I'm not alone in loving a great deal of my stuff. But here's the thing. It's the spiritual lesson that Jesus is making in those closing verses of this morning's scripture. All of it will one day be gone. None of it has the ability to meet our deepest needs or to fulfill our deepest hungers. None of it is meant to take the place of Almighty God or of caring for our neighbor or of building God's kingdom here on earth. 
None of it will last as long as we think it will the day we take possession of it. None of it is worth the worry or the emotional energy that we invest in it. Don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth, Jesus says, where moth and rust consume, where thieves break in and steal, where nearly all of it eventually ends up in the garbage. Store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moth and rust will not consume, where thieves will not break in and steal, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Some years ago, during a retreat at the Tizé community in France, a young American was visiting and he shared a remarkable discovery. He said, back home, surrounded by all my possessions, I often feel uncertain about many things. Here, with only a backpack in the company of people who want to be together in the presence of God, I feel rich in every way. With the prayers, the songs, the silence, and the honest conversations about faith and life, I have everything I need. And I thought about what he said, and I think that's the kind of being rich, being rich in God, in faith, rich in, in experience of being part of a Christian community and loving my neighbor. That's the kind of being rich that I yearn for. And so, friends, what about you? Where's your treasure? Where's your heart? What role do the possessions that you own play in your life? And to what or to whom do you give your greatest devotion? In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, amen.